remembering the way that the energy policy issues have been discussed over the last decades, it has always been a matter of problems. And these problems have sometimes been constructively called challenges. Uh, but my main ambition at the moment is to try to reformulate these policy issues as one of opportunities. And that is possible thanks to the clever policies applied in Germany and a few other countries that have led an industrial development making renewable energy economically competitive and thereby opening the opportunity for increased global energy supply and economic development in the whole world without the negative consequences or economic negative feedbacks of nuclear accidents or climate change. And this transformation of energy issues from one of problems to one of opportunities should be more important in Japan than anywhere else. Because Japan has been a country which, in the era where fossil fuels were the major sources of energy and industrial development was based on fossil fuels, was indeed an energy-poor country. Even nuclear power is an energy source where Japan relies to 100% of imported uranium fuels, though the nuclear industry has cleverly managed to pretend that nuclear power is domestic in Japan, as in some other countries, which is physically wrong, uh, but politically very constructive if you succeed. But renewable energy sources, wind, solar energy, biomass, geothermal sources, they are clearly domestic. And as the global energy situation is shifting so that these renewable sources of energy becomes the most competitive, this opens an opportunity for a country like Japan that traditionally has depended on imported energy to be self-sufficient. What you need is the industrial capacity to manufacture the energy-transforming gadgets in an efficient way. And Japan does have manufacturing ability and should be able to do this in a very efficient way. Having said this, I realize that this is not the way it's seen in Japan Japan is still looking at energy issues as a lot of trouble and difficulties. And indeed, with the Fukushima nuclear reactors still leaking, I can understand that the energy issues are just seen as problems here. But the situation is much better in reality. You just have to realize this and take the opportunities. So this was just an illustration of how the self-image is uh, developed. This is the Federation of Power Industries describing Japan as energy poor, using figures implying that nuclear is domestic and saying that this is the reason why you need nuclear. But I don't think that is the, the, the correct one. 
But the, the most important process going in the world is industrial learning bringing down the cost of renewable energy. And this slide, this picture is from a book by a former colleague of mine, uh, Klaus Otto Wehner, who published this book uh, via OECD in the year 2000. And it's supposed to be the most downloaded book OECD has ever published. Uh, and the title was Experience Curve for Energy Technology Policy. And his message here is that looking at the experience accumulated already during the 20th century showed that the new energy technologies, wind and solar in particular, show quite fast decrease in cost with increased experience. Cost experience. And he elegantly made the scale logarithmic and then the experience curves, which are curves if you draw them on a linear scale, becomes straight lines almost and you are tempted to extrapolate them, assuming that even more experience will continue to bring down the costs. And uh, he showed this as the basis for energy technology po uh, policy, saying if just people are able to subsidize these technologies for a few years so that more experience is accumulated, costs will come down and they will outcompete fossil fuels, nuclear power and other more troublesome, uh, harmful energy technologies and make further development going by itself without the need for subsidies. Sweden is a country where we have developed biomass as a source of energy with great success. Biomass has grown during four decades to become the largest source of energy with about one-third of the energy use from biomass. And this has been done much more efficiently than anyone anticipated. Almost all this biomass is residues and byproducts from forest industry and agriculture. The cost of biomass in uh, money per kilowatt hour has been stable in nominal terms and thereby decreasing with inflation during this period despite the, the dramatic increase in use. And the technologies have been developed so that combustion and utilization of the energy for uh, electricity and heat uh, has become not only economically more efficient, but also uh, with air pollution locally making uh, so small that it is now neglected. Even waste incineration is now done in a rather uncontroversial way in Sweden. There are some who think it's uh, a little too clever that we are paid to receive waste from other countries and produce valuable heat and electricity. Uh, some of us, uh, I was Director General of the Energy Agency and I was involved in the national statistics and we did have one problem with the import of waste where we were paid to receive the waste and that was the question, importing waste and being paid to take it, is that import or is it export? <laughs> but globally, the, the, the most astonishing development has been the development of wind power. 
the installations of wind power globally in the first 10 years of this century was faster than anyone predicted in the 20th century. I dare say this after having asked about 11, 12,000 people on three continents if anyone has seen a projection or a plan or a vision for wind power development published in the 20th century showing a faster growth than the real curve in the 21st century, the first 10 years, and no one has come up with one. Even Greenpeace tried in 1998 to make an energy scenario that was very ambitious. Uh, and it, in the end, was so ambitious that the consultant who helped them doing it didn't want to have his name on the publication. Uh, and he said he was very embarrassed when it was published, but he also said that he was more embarrassed in 2008 when real development had overshot the projection that he had been embarrassed to put his name on. Uh, anyone who knows why everyone failed in the 20th century to predict the real development in this century? There is one single strong explanation, what no one expected. Yes, Mika, what is it? China, indeed. If you look at the development in China, it was almost zero wind power in 2005, and then it is now by far the world's largest wind power nation. I enjoyed some audience here uh, making the joke that China was trying to test if they could make one of these curves bend backwards <laughs> because it looked like they tried to do that. Uh, they failed, but indeed they managed to uh, have an impressive growth with more than one wind power plant being installed in China per hour, day and night, all around the year for the last five years. You can see Germany is doing quite well on wind as well, and uh, there is no saturation uh, visible. Last year, Germany installed more wind power than any previous year. Uh, the U.S. shows uh, bad policy with a very uneven rate of investment, uh, creating a lot of difficulties for, for the industry. But at the same time, as we will see, uh, the U.S. is doing quite well in cost decrease. Uh, this is the average uh, cost, or sorry, the average payment received by wind power installers in the United States in 2012. New wind power plants were paid uh, 6.2 cents per kilowatt hour produced uh, in 2012. In 2013 the same figure was 4.7 cent per kilowatt hour. They built less wind power in 2013 and only at the best sites, which may explain some of the cost decrease. In India, wind power is now competitive with coal. In Australia, they have built wind power plants at 4 cents per kilowatt hour, or 41 4.1 cent, $41 per megawatt hour. Uh, in Europe, in Portugal, uh, one of the major power companies says that new wind power onshore now costs 20% less than gas power and a third less than coal-fired power stations. And this is without subsidies. It's just cost, direct cost. And in Denmark, which is a pioneering country that has 
something like 39 or exactly 39% of their electricity produced by wind power last year. Uh, they now say that further uh, expansion of onshore wind power would produce electricity at about half the price of new gas-fired or coal-fired power. That is not what you read in METI's reports to the government. Uh, and if you compare here uh, the costs that I've just shown for uh, America, Australia, and some European countries, and I added also the German feed-in tariff, which is quite generous, uh, and compare that to the feed-in tariff in Japan, you see it's a factor of three, two or three uh, more costly in Japan. And explaining that is not very easy, but uh, you can see that the direct cost of some of the engineering, construction, civil engineering works are higher. Uh, the wind power plants cost about as much, but there are some regulations that create domestic costs, costs made in Japan, totally unnecessary. And investors also want more money, as we will probably hear, because of the risks they run when they are subject to an electricity market where the owners of the competing power stations also control the power lines they need to reach the customers. Costs have continued to go down uh, for wind. And uh, looking at solar, we see an even more impressive global growth. Uh, but there was at least one German report published already in the 1970s suggesting that solar energy should supply two-thirds of the global electricity by 2015, and he was showing a more dramatic growth. Uh, here, too, uh, China is now competing with Japan to install most PVs, but it is important to give credit to the German households who by investing early when solar PVs were still expensive, have paid and are paying for the industrial development of, of PV industries globally. Uh, it is actually possible to use these growth curves and cost decreases to verify that the uh, predictions made in this book from the year 2000 were not only qualitatively correct, but also quantitatively uh, very accurate. Uh, but Germany has paid it by themselves. So even if I had not been with German hosts here, I would, I would say that we should all thank the German households for saving the world. Because that is what they have basically done by paying for this cost decrease that, that all the world can now enjoy the result of. And one of the countries who we saw already on the previous slide is enjoying this opportunity is China. France, you described that, that the, the, the um, driving forces are different in different countries. And China has a very simple uh, reason to, to go for renewables. They need uh, energy for economic development for the second half of their billion population. So a few hundred million more people need to get up to a decent standard. They will need a lot of energy. If they try to do it with fossil fuels alone, they would drive up the global price of energy, which would have a negative feedback effect already economically, 
directly economically on, on their economic development. Now they also see all the air pollution and, 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 and other damages, and they are well aware of climate change risks, so they much prefer to use renewable energy because the more successful they are with their economic growth, the more experience they gain in renewable energy, and the lower the cost of energy, which will make possible an even faster economic growth, and that's much more fun for the Chinese. They did, in the first quarter this year, install... 5 gigawatt, which was about half of what they installed in the full year last year. So it's going fast, and costs are decreasing. Here, the cost decrease is illustrated by the lowering of the German feed-in tariffs that are now in the order of uh, uh, 10 to 15 euro cents per kilowatt hour. And here's another illustration of the cost decrease. And um, solar electricity is now, uh, in, in, China, uh, in India, seen as cheaper than coal that has been transported. They were still, and this is 2014 last year, saying that coal-fired power stations built at the mouth of a mine may supply cheaper electricity than solar PVs. But apart from that, solar PVs are now the... Uh, now cheaper than, than coal. Brazil have succeeded in, in, in uh, uh, solar power winning uh, procurement processes at prices of uh, 9 US cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, and even in the US, there are now investment funds or advisors who say that large-scale solar and wind can compete with gas-fired power in the U.S. And some of us have been taught by media that shale gas makes gas almost free in the U.S. But true or not, uh, solar and wind can compete uh, already at the uh, bus bar level, to, uh, supplying in competition with other large power stations. But more importantly, almost everywhere in the world now, solar panels on your roof will provide cheaper electricity than buying electricity from the grid. And this opens enormous opportunities because decision-making here is very decentralized. Available capital is very large, and a lot of things can happen very quickly when decisions are taken by a large number of households in the world. In the U.S., there is about one solar rooftop now added every three minutes. In Japan, the figure is somewhere between one every minute and one every two minutes. Here, the electric power companies are unable to block development, and they will get even more problems. Uh, and maybe from a global perspective, even more enjoyable uh, is that in Bangladesh there is one solar rooftop installed or one solar household uh, system installed every minute since a couple of years. And here there are people who did not have any access to electricity before who now are able to charge their mobile phones, get light in the evening, uh, maybe a refrigerator, radio, and TV. So it's a dramatic in improvement of their living conditions. Uh, and this, too, can be 
attributed to the German households paying for this. And I've heard uh, Germans uh, who both had in their plans when the uh, Energiewende was, was decided, but also evaluated it afterwards, saying that this is the most cost-efficient overseas development aid project that Germany has ever engaged in. It was not the primary purpose, but it was one of the consequences. And this uh, development will be disruptive. It will solve the global energy supply problems, but it will be a problem to the electric power companies. As you see here, uh, there is uh, in the U.S. a sort of um, viral effect that when your neighbor has bought solar PV panels and they work and he claims it's profitable, you want them too. It becomes more important than having a nice car on your drive to have these beautiful panels on your roof. And you can get quite a few of them, and the poor power companies lose a lot of customer, or at least they lose sales. The customers might like to still be connected to the grid and buy a little bit of electricity, but they will buy much less. A colleague of mine at the foundation here in Tokyo and I did a little exercise in December last year where we plotted the cost of solar uh, rooftops, the yellow set of data here on top, how that developed with time and compared that to the, how the household electricity rates average in, in, in Japan increased and we found that just about today solar rooftops will be cheaper than purchased electricity also in Japan. And I, I think we, we are now looking at the data is becoming available now, so we will check whether we were right in this extrapolation. But it seems quite likely that it is uh, just about now. Uh, the precision in the rate of return on investment is probably uh, important. Uh, but uh, this may start a new... Uh, wave of investment in rooftops in Japan too where people don't have to bother about uh, special subsidies or feed-in tariffs but they can do it just to reduce their purchased electricity still uh, that achievement is maybe significant but it's not very impressive if you compare the cost of solar electricity in Japan with a cost in Germany because here too you see that the cost in Japan are approximately twice the cost in Germany and here we've gone into some detail what part of the cost uh, differ and again we see the frame and installation uh, as one of the parts where the costs here are higher uh, even modules are more expensive here and we see some examples where uh, you can buy modules with a Japanese label, but they are manufactured in China, and someone in Japan managed to earn a good revenue from just reselling them with a Japanese name on them. Uh, that might not be economically efficient, but it might help some uh, Japanese to feel self-confident. Uh, but there is obviously a potential for reducing costs further in Japan. The result globally is that we see uh, increase in renewables and a decrease 
uh, or at least stagnation in fossil fuels in many parts of the world. This is the quite surprising news from China last year, where renewables led by hydropower increased by more than 200 terawatt hour in electricity delivered, whilst fossil fuel decreased by approximately 40 terawatt hours. This is almost as surprising as the growth in wind power globally, because if anyone had suggested two years ago that China would decrease their electricity generation by fossil fuels, I don't think anyone would have believed that, that that would happen already in 2014. I think it was Citibank that produced a projection that you might have a peak coal appearing in China before 2020, and they were ridiculed for believing that that was possible. Uh, Germany has continued, according to their policies, to reduce nuclear power, to reduce lignite, uh, hard coal, as well as natural gas for electricity generation, while increasing wind, solar, and biomass. There was a decrease in hydro due to little rain, but this development took place at the same time as the export of electricity from Germany set a new record last year. And... uh, In particular, I know many Germans who enjoy the fact that not only are there large exporters to nuclear France, but they're also managing to have an electricity exchange with France where the French have to pay more per kilowatt hour for the electricity that they buy from Germany than the Germans pay for the few kilowatt hours of electricity they buy back. The explanation simply being that Germany exports electricity in the middle of the day when the solar panels produce so much electricity uh, that it compensates well for the increased demand in the middle of the day. So they can sell midday electricity at high price to the French and then the French deliver back in the middle of the night when the demand is much lower and the price in Europe is lower. In the UK, there was a decrease in fossil fuel-based electricity, a decrease in nuclear, uh, an increase in renewables, but also an increase in imports. Uh, And Japan, uh, this is data up until December, actually had a similar uh, result last year, that renewables, mainly solar, was increasing. Uh, Nuclear was decreasing. You had the first year, 2014, without any nuclear and fossil fuels actually decreased as well for electricity generation. Uh, I haven't seen the full year data, and I haven't seen the full fiscal year, but for this uh, three-quarter period, this was the case. If you look at Europe, what is actually being built, this is new capacity being connected to the grid minus the power plants capacity of closed power plants, Uh, you see that last year wind increased most, followed by solar, biomass, hydro, and geothermal. There was no change in nuclear, whilst coal power plants were closed, oil power plants were closed, the few that remained, and a significant loss of capacity in in gas took place as well. Uh, We may also see that the biomass capacity is an underestimate because some coal-fired power stations are also converted and co-firing biomass. So biomass role is increasing more than what you see from that slide. And you have some of the early unsubsidized large solar plants being built. 
One of the important consequences of this in, in electricity markets where you have open competition is that you do get a supply of electricity from solar and wind in particular with approximately zero marginal cost of generation. So when they produce, they deliver whatever the price. And by this new capacity, uh, you push out the most expensive power production, and the average price decreases. And this has been particularly clear in Germany. And this curve, uh, going from early 2012 until May 2014, shows how the price for electricity futures traded for 2017 has dropped from 55 to less than 35 euros per megawatt hour. And this is a disaster for power companies owning large power plants in Europe because they had valued their assets based on the high price and they now see a future market where electricity prices in Germany will stay below 35 euros per megawatt hour for about a decade. So the large power companies in Europe have to write off a lot of significant assets in their balance sheets, and it's quite painful. But on the other side, there are consumers who are just as happy as the power companies are unhappy. And in the industry which is electricity-intensive in Germany and have, has not had to contribute to the uh, feed-in tariffs, uh, this has meant a significant improved competitiveness on the global market. And for industries in Northern Europe, in Sweden, for example, where we traditionally have had low electricity prices because of a lot of hydropower, uh, the um, electricity-intensive industry gets terribly frustrated by the totally unexpected situation that their competitors in Germany can buy electricity almost as cheaply as they can in, in Sweden and Norway. It's a great surprise. It's also one of these unexpected developments. No one thought that German electricity intensive industries would be able to get electricity at these low prices. And temporarily, in countries with a lot of solar and wind, you may now have negative electricity prices on the spot market. And uh, some people get very confused by negative electricity prices but you actually have if you're a producer you have to pay to supply electricity to the grid uh, and if you're a consumer you can be paid to consume electricity and just imagine you know the enjoyment of getting up in the middle of the night when the electricity price is negative and you switch on your toaster you don't even have to put bread in it you actually earn money <laughs> these things may happen but once again that's terrible if you own what has been called a baseload power plant, because they are now outcompeted in electricity markets in the United States as well as in Europe. The traditional baseload power plant was a concept that was relevant in the 20th century when the lowest cost electricity was from the largest power plants, typically coal-fired power stations and nuclear power stations, of a gigawatt or more capacity. They produce lowest cost electricity, and they would operate throughout the year 
as much as they could. They were expensive to build and cheap to operate. Of course, the consumption varies quite a lot, so you need other power plants to handle the variation up and down in demand. Uh, and you only built so many baseload power plants that they would be able to operate throughout the year because the minimum demand would never be below the capacity of all these baseload power plants. They were considered economically very stable until all these renewable energy sources came onto the market where suddenly the wind and solar plants may supply all the minimum demand and prices would go negative and you would have to shut down these old large power stations. In Texas, in the US, there was a company that now went bankrupt. They had their whole business concept was to own these large marginal cost baseload power plants, but they suffered badly when the Texas people built wind power plants. They did it to avoid dependence on Arabic oil. Their, one of the major wind power companies in, in Texas was called Patriotic Wind Power. And their major customer was the U.S. Air Force. Uh, but they built so much wind power that they had periods of negative electricity prices during the night. And one of the directors, managers of a nuclear reactor there was speaking in, uh, for some journalists. And he was saying that it was horrible that you had negative electricity prices. Because if you own a no nuclear power plant, you can't close it down in the night and then open it up in the morning again. So you have to pay during the night to supply electricity. And then you have to spend the whole morning uh, period earning the money that you have paid during the night, and then you only had the afternoon to earn the money to finance the plant, and you couldn't do that. So uh, there has been uh, uh, great difficulties for these inflexible plants to, to cope in a system where supply of modern renewable energy drives down costs, and the only thing you need is a residual power from flexible plants. Yeah, and power companies have great difficulties because of this. I should try to speed up a little bit. Um, you have the electric vehicles coming in, enjoying the fact that for the first time ever, electricity may be cheaper than fuel. In the 20th century paradigm, on the margin, you always produced electricity using a fuel. And typically, the efficiency of a power plant was 50% or lower, so electricity typically cost twice as much as fuel. Now, you may have situations where, uh, where fuels are more expensive than electricity. And together with the same kind of learning, reducing the cost of electric batteries, uh, electric vehicles are now becoming competitive and as Elon Musk spent the money he earned on PayPal to develop an electric vehicle that is not only environmentally friendly uh, but also terribly attractive, he has managed to break through what was a barrier to the electric vehicle marketers previously because everyone who's driven a Tesla wants to own one and those who can pay for it do so, but it is quite expensive. Uh, but in Norway, where they can 
afforded the Tesla set a new record uh, a year ago where they in one month sold 1,493 Model S, which was more than the previous record from 1986 where Ford Sierra managed to sell something like 1,300. And batteries are coming down. Uh, and as a result of this development that we've seen, last year was probably the first year for a very long time where electricity generation from fossil fuels decreased globally. Nuclear was about at zero, and the whole, most of the global increase was due to renewables. The 2014 figures here are still preliminary. We'll get BP global data coming in about four weeks, and it will be quite an enjoyable session for some of us who likes energy statistics to go through what actually happened last year. Uh, another description of the same successful development last year came from the International Energy Agency, noting that possibly for the first time ever with a decent global economic growth, carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuels did not increase. <clears throat> Bloomberg Business formulated the same thing, uh, saying fossil fuels just lost the race against renewables. So, finally, uh, some minutes on the Japanese situation. Solar electricity in Japan looks nice if compared to the world average, but uh, you may be humbled as a Japanese if you compare yourself to Germany on a per capita basis. Uh, the major problem here is one of understanding of how the electricity system works and the fact that the electric power companies in Japan still have the kind of monopoly on information that European power industries used in the early 1990s when they tried to combat the, the uh, debates on, on nuclear power then. Here is a an ad advertisement put in by the major German power companies at the time in 1993 when they said that renewable energy such as solar, hydro or wind in the long run cannot provide more than 4% of our electricity demand. And they claim grid stability problems. You might have heard that in Japan, something similar. Uh, of course, this is nonsense. Uh, if you look at the real data you see now, it's more than 25%, and solar alone is more than 5 uh, In Denmark, the power companies tried the same thing. Denmark was a pioneer in wind power, started building wind power plants already in the 1980s. The power company said, we can't have more than 4%, then the system will collapse. And the politicians did restrict the continued construction of wind power plants, so you have this nice S-curve flattening out here in the mid-1990s at 4%. But then happened something very important. In Europe, there was a real electricity market reform. The ownership and control of the grid was separated from the ownership of the power plants. And as a result, the new controller of the power grid treated all power plants equally and um, in Denmark, suddenly it proved possible to increase the deployment of wind power. And they now have 40%. And they say it's not very difficult. Similar in, in Germany, 
it's not very difficult. One of the managers in, in Germany said that, yes, I know, I was among those who said it was impossible when we had the power plants because that was difficult to some of the old power plants, but it's not a problem to the grid. And now I must say, managing a grid uh, that it would be quite boring if you didn't have all these renewables. In Japan, it is disappointing in particular to see the development of wind power. Uh, I was working together with a, a Japanese colleague for many years and we were comparing the figures for Sweden and Japan and Sweden was ahead of Japan in wind power in the 20th century and then Japan overtook Sweden and had a quite solid lead over Sweden here for some years. Then when I'm in an audience like an American audience where it's uh, good to be proud, I usually say that this was when I became Director General of the National Energy Agency in Sweden. Uh, <laughs> development started to go well and uh, we overtook Japan here in 2011. And then I changed teams and came to Japan to help Japan come back, but I have failed so far, so there may be other explanations than my presence. Uh, you see a very slow development after the Fukushima accident, which sort of seems to be contrary to the needs and ambitions. But Sweden has gone on quite well, and the challenge for Japan to overtake Sweden becomes even more visible if you do it on a per capita basis, per inhabitant. Because here Sweden has now come up to more than 10% of electricity in a very electricity-intensive in, uh, country uh, very quickly. Oh, sorry. Some more words on the way that the information monopoly of the power companies may influence politics in a destructive way. Uh, this is uh, the way that, that METI um, has been convinced by the power companies to inform the politicians about how different energy sources work. And the, the visual description is quite um, misleading here for several reasons. One of them is that it appears as if electricity demand was flat which is totally wrong. It varies dramatically. And in many countries, nuclear power has been seen as a difficult source of electricity because it cannot adjust to demand. Uh, the renewables are also showing here very dramatic changes during the period of one day, which does frighten people if it varied that much. So this is one illustration of how the unavailability of information can be facilitating, making it possible for uh, the power companies to mislead politicians. After the electricity market reforms in Europe, all information on supply and demand and production generation has been made public on the Internet. We can see in real time how power is produced and consumed and by which power plants and, and, and which kinds of power plants. For example, this is a, a diagram that I took today from the web on how the German electricity supply looked today, or sorry, during the last week until up till today. And it's a holiday in, in, in Europe, so the demand was lower today. And you see solar and wind, uh, where the solar is in a very valuable way, meeting the variation in demand. Uh, 
now been built to the extent that it's sort of overcompensating for the variation in demand. So you have the double peak effect on the remaining residual power generation that needs to peak in the morning and the evening instead of peaking much more in the middle of the day. And we can look at Sweden with all uh, the wind power we have, and you see <coughs> that the, the wind power generation here over a day does not really look as unstable as in the METI diagram. It's actually quite stable and very predictable. Uh, had I been going to last week, we had the episodes where some of the nuclear reactors suddenly tripped, where you lost a gigawatt in half an hour in an unpredictable way. And I assure you, assure you that that is much more difficult for a transmission system operator to handle than the uh, predictable variation of solar and wind. So uh, the conclusion, with a one-minute delay, uh, is that the most important reform, if you want to utilize the industrial opportunities of the new energy technologies to go from Japan as an import-dependent country to one that is energy-rich and use its manufacturing capacity to provide domestic energy for its inhabitants at low cost, improving the economic performance of Japan, the most important thing is to manage to separate the ownership and control of the electricity grid, at least the tra uh, transmission system, from the ownership of the power plants. That reform is vital. It will make information available. It makes the system transparent. It will immediately result in the opportunity to have a competitive market where the lowest cost power plants are used throughout the country instead of the dispatch guided by the maximum profit for the individual current power companies. And it will make investors more safe and secure in that the grid will not be used to harm them in competition with the old power plants. Thank you. Thomas, many thanks. Um, a lot of information, but also I think the general message is, is uh, very clear and very strong. And now I would li like to ask Yamazaki-san to, uh, to add something from his perspective, please. Thomas-san, thank you very much for giving great, insightful, and also actually quite a straightforward message to us. And uh, I have to say that I'm 120% agree with you. And particularly that as a last point, what is the most important point is in this country, industry, or that the investment, everything, is separating grid from generation. That is actually underway this year. It's now under the, the, the parliamentary process. That is the last piece of the three-year legislative process. So that's why I'm a firm believer that Jap Japanese power industry, not only for renewable, is going to go through the maybe largest, largest in the post-war Japan's economic history, the largest disruptive explosion on many fronts. So that's why I am in this industry. I would like to just briefly explain to myself that uh, our in the, the finance industry in the, in the, the 
20 years that I'm now 50 years old. I'm a pretty that uh, you can see I'm an old guy. I joined Daiwa Security that that that, that 1982, and uh, I uh, switched to Goldman Sachs and studied the Goldman Sachs Asset Management Company here, and I was uh, that, to the chief there and also general partner of Goldman Sachs. And we raised it to two years that up to thirty billion dollars. That's from ninety six to to ninety eight or so. So, but uh, we are now. So after that, actually, I retired from the, the, the financial businesses two thousand two. So thirteen years ago. But uh, after the actually the Lehman shock, we started to the non-profit organization called the Sun Based Economy Association. What is the Sun Based Economy? Is that a solar industry or anything or so? And the concept borrowed from the, that that the Buckminster Fuller, Robert Buckminster Bucky Fuller. So that that this we are now living in the, that that the planet Earth or that more like the spaceship Earth, and that every year the flow of sun power, actually one hour, that the radiation sun is sufficient enough to provide that all the energy demand that whole the human beings on this globe. And of course, that, that the sun power itself is provide not only that in the form of light or heat or wind or that, that sea current or any that, that the greens or that, that biomass, everything else. So that was also provided all the waters and all the food. So sun power ultimately is the origin or the, the driving force of the, all the livings on this planet. And that's why, and also this whole, this whole world is built up on two things. One is the materials, the other is the information. So that the whole 19th century philosophy, so-called scientific thinking, that, that the only materials are real or scientific. No, information or something, wisdom, or something that kind of that complexity. So that is uh, our belief also that uh, the even though the human beings that, that, that increase to 10 billion, that every year that the whole human beings can sustain and also survive. So that was my personal view, but many people asked, and why in Japan? Because Japan at that time had almost like that, that, that based on the Silicon Valley, and the uh, estimator that has a uh, 60% of the, the intellectual property for the like, uh, you may not, you cannot believe now that the photovoltaic that, that, uh, or the solar power that, that uh, the battery was uh, produced and so fast invented and really that the mass produced by Japanese. And many other technology like uh, water technology, environmental technology or so. But less than 1% has been industrialized, commercialized by Japanese. So we have been in silos in many areas. Why don't we ask work together as a whole country? Not only that in country, but in Japan, whether that China, India combined has that twenty times as much population as Japan has. So if if we had to do that, and also they now it's so lucky to see that China, even without any advice from Japan, has been doing their own way and have the cut up out there. So this big, big, big giant leap and step out. I'm, I'm so happy to see that. So then, this in this country and uh, uh, that, that uh, electric power is such a special industry. I I've been having uh, some study group with uh, Yoichi Funabashi, former that uh, editor in chief of the Shimbun, and we joked almost uh, five or six years ago. 
why Japan cannot change? What is the kind of the tipping point that uh, to change? Maybe to make Tokyo Electric TEPCO bankrupt. But what would make TEPCO go bankrupt? Maybe tsunami and a big earthquake would hit a nuclear power plant. Actually, I had a very bad dream that, that, that having that, that tsunami and also that big earthquake. And actually, I wrote about that. And I, my homepage had that, that more than one million page view that, that month, actually. So that, that kind of that, that very bad joking and so very bad dream that became into reality. So I really thought that, oh, you have to do something. So, and you have to do, because why do the, the, the power industry? Power industry has very most political. Because it's based on the, the, the regional monopoly. It was produced right after the war. It's a very good, great system. Most uh, sustainable. And also providing that and also the greatest te technological and also advancement and also quality of the electricity in this country, even after that, that, that this nuclear shock or so has been so superb. But they are based upon the so-called market price, based on monopoly. And share would go to the politicians. So, that's a, so information monopoly, as Thomas said, it's really the most important thing. And also the very strong political tie with politicians, particularly the LDP, but also not only LDP, almost all the politicians, except for Naoto Khan and the Communist Party. Naoto Khan called me yesterday, actually. I asked him to, to come today, and to, to, and he already know he's busy, and also, but he, he asked me to say hello to Thomas, because he, he has already met with Thomas many times. Another important thing, who has been the promoter of the nuclear energy in this country? Media. Which media? Yomiuri? Yomiuri is the founder, the so-called the very powerful guy, was a guy who promoted the nuclear energy. And secondarily, like a Sankei newspaper or Fuji group, so there's no media guy here, and so Nikkei. And they are built, that's a really unique, because in this country, politi politics, media are one community, and so trying to, 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 to sustain that. So that, this, that's a very unique thing, I have to say. I have to be bold here. I have to be very candid to you guys. So that is still, that is there, very powerful. So you have to see, to see the thing from that angle. Not only politicians, not only the, actually the METI, very ironically, METI has been fighting against the power industry, almost like lonely and almost destined to, to lose in the last 30 years. Medi proposed that the separation of grid from generations 15 years completely lost. Most of the people who are involved were sacked that time. Because they did know that, that without changing the power industry, Japan's whole industry structure, economics, finance would not change. But after TEPCO went bankrupt, right? So government is now the largest shareholder who is owning and controlling METI. It's not TEPCO, that's METI. So that's why for the first time in Japan in the history that do the, the three-year registration, first thing, something like a, more like a 
deregulating that, that do the more like the power industry or making that, that the nationwide grid. But this year's most important is which is underway. It was that, that proposal that in March and that now under discussion. It's expected to, to pass that, that to the lower house week from the next or so. That is the most important thing. And after that, it's a very similar to what happened to, to the finance industry, banking industry. I was in the banking industry like the 1990s or early 2000 or so, but far more fundamental, far more, how could I say, wider, much more complex, would, would the things should start change. But registration is just one. Implementation, execution is more important. Why finance interest change? Because uh, Japan did go through like a very much so-called that, that to the very much structure, the fixed structure that the 21 major banks were here. There's no, all the finance industry were controlled by Ministry of Finance. It's totally not. Why? Most important, of course, the, the banking industry, other finance, insurance industry went, went bankrupt. That's one thing similar to a typical story, but global or non-Japanese pressure in that case. What was that? It's America. I was, that's why I, I moved from Daiwa Security to Goldman Sachs, started business, started to pressurizing, because I, I really, really strongly believe that, that we need to change that, but Japanese industry could not do it. So maybe same thing applied here. Most important thing, that learn from the reality. What China has been, to say simply put, great thing Chinese are doing is Mr. Abe explaining what China is really doing, that, that revolutionizing, they are decreasing that, that CO2 emission. Do many people know that? No. Naoto Kan, even though he was the prime minister, he was sacked by that, that the media, right? So even one, one month after that, that Fukushima nuclear debacle, he was the only guy who did understand on the day or the, the, the March 11. He was the only politician who saw that day most worrisome thing is not that, that tsunami or earthquake or 20,000 people dead, but Fukushima or somewhere nuclear that, that the plant might become like another Chernobyl. He was the only person, and two, three days later, that when the TEPCO management that, 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 that proposal asked to withdraw from that, that, that and also ex, no, that, that get out of the, that, all the site. It was three o'clock in the morning. He went to the TEPCO headquarters, five o'clock in the morning. Hey, don't go out. Stay. So he was there, but he was sacked. So that's a real reality. So this is a real, real, most important thing, how to make the information to be transmitted, how people to get aware. Because of that, renewables is not something like a dream or that. Because everything has pros and cons. But in this country, Japan is geographically very unique. It occupies just 0.2% of the global land. Japan occupied 20% of the global earthquakes. Density of this country is 100 times as large as a global average in terms of the risk of the earthquakes. Every, every year, 
three centimeters of ground has been moving. So that's why after a thousand years, it was 30 meters. That's what happened in the Tohoku. It surely happened. As these nuclear plants are safe, there are many people that are talking to me crazily, would like to reactivate also, but this is a reality. But in order to change that, this kind of, the, to some fact that straightforward or emotional, that, 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 that dialogue would not work, actually. Important thing is that, that after that it's gone through that, that greed and the generation, separation of the nuclear power from the, the, the private company to the government, this, 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 this is a kind of, the, kind of the, like a Lego or something like that, that, that climbing up a mountains. So, but, but I think that, that uh, I, I, I would like to thank all of you here because the most of you are actually that, the, the non-Japanese folks. Information from outside the world, outside Japan, is very important. Very important. Of course, the Japanese people have to take more responsibility, have to be more active, aggressive to get more right information, and so compare and make decisions. But I think that, that uh, I'm an optimist. So after legislation passes, Things will change. It's a kind of that, that, that more than the mixture of the financial big bang or information technology or network or iPhone, everything. This change, because of the many top folks ourselves believe that this is going to have the largest, that, that how could I say, social, industrial, economic change. That's a potential. So, but we'd like to make it happen. So. Thank you very much, Francis, for giving me this opportunity. I, before we open the discussion, I, I just summarize what I learned, uh, and I, I learned a lot. Uh, the first thing is that there is indeed the possibility and the potential here to transform Japan into an energy-rich uh, economy. Um, we see global developments that point to the direction. We see the cost competitiveness of renewable energy. Um, it's not yet applicable to Japan because of regulatory costs or some other costs, but basically also because of vested interests and uh, information mon monopoly, monopoly. So it's the regional monopolies in electricity power generation transform into information monopolies and uh, the role of the media and the politicians, they form sort of a collusive group. Then there was the incidence of, of TEPCO going bankrupt and changing the game and the situation. And now, and this is something maybe we, we, might, we might learn a little more about, um, there is the legislation coming up separating actually power generation from transmission. And, but as you say, the key is implementation. And as you say, for there, it's a bit like the Big Bang. Uh, Japan needs outside pressure or information from outside. Well, that's your role. No? That's why you were called, uh, brought in from outside. No? So um, I think it's, it, it's a very, very interesting and very fascinating uh, situation we, we are in here now. And I would like maybe uh, first give Thomas uh, uh, the possibility to give, well, to comment on the comment uh, very briefly, and then I would like to open to the floor for, for further questions, yeah? Right. Mm -hmm. And one thing is that details are sometimes quite important. Uh, you've said several times that TEPCO went bankrupt, but 
It didn't, did it? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, first, they escaped, first they escaped bankruptcy by saying that the cost for the accident was so large and difficult to assess that we put them at zero. <laughs> and the auditor said, oh, great. Uh, and secondly, the, the, the government saved the company without the previous owners losing all their assets. So it wasn't a real bankruptcy. Uh, with the electricity market reform, the same thing is important. Pay attention to the details. Because as you have mentioned, the electric power industry still exerts a lot of political influence, which means that even if the legislation says that it is bringing about uh, an electricity market reform and, and some sort of separation of transmission and, and, and the power in, uh, production, uh, there are, as I have understood this legislation, a lot of weak points which will give the power companies continued influence that may be terribly expensive for Japan. Uh, and we saw another example in the feed-in tariff legislation, which was supposed to be a sort of copy of the German legislation, uh, but which only was similar in that they had very generous feed-in tariffs, which made renewables appear very expensive. But in the German legislation, there are also very important components providing the rights for investors in the new energy technologies to get access to the market, to get uh, the right to, to reach their customers and, and, and other things that decrease the cost. Uh, and those are absent in the Japanese system where you now also have the right of the power companies to disconnect uh, these power plants that someone has invested in. And as an investor, I would be quite frightened to see that I would make an investment and then suddenly someone would say, okay, now you can't supply to your customers anymore. Uh, you need to protect the weak actors in a market if the market is to be fair and competitive and efficient.